You're listening to the Toolstation Western League podcast with Ian Knockholds and Tom Hiscott. Welcome, listeners, to episode 28 of the Toolstation Western League podcast with me, Ian Knockholds, and I'm delighted to be joined by our social media manager, James Healy. Hello, Jim. How are you? I'm very well, Ian. How about yourself? I'm not too bad. I am not too bad. Um, it's been an interesting week in uh, in football. Um, we've uh, we've obviously had some clarification on uh, on the return of um, uh, of football, specifically on the return of fans um, to, to grounds, because um, of course over the last couple of weeks we've been speculating about whether or not there'd be any friendly matches or any competitions, and indeed we've got sides, of course, that are still in FA Vars action. Not to mention the fact that the league still. Um, want to conclude um, last season's uh, Les Phillips Cup competition. And um, uh, on Wednesday the 10th, the Football Association sent out a, a communication that says, unfortunately, the current understanding at DCMS is that spectators for non-elite football will be under the same categorisation as outlined for all spectators in the roadmap. Therefore, unless informed otherwise, we believe that all fixtures will need to be behind closed doors until no earlier than May 17th, except for any person spectating for safeguarding purposes. Um, now, obviously, that's um, that's pretty disappointing news, not just for the clubs who wanted to have a friendly match, but also for our our team still involved in the FA Vars because that uh, that kicks off in in April. So those games at the moment, um, and hopefully things might change, but certainly at the moment, the FA anticipate that those games will be um, be behind closed doors. But I mean, it does raise some other questions around grassroots football. I mean, I'm specifically thinking a lot of our clubs in the Western League, of course, have under 18 side. They have reserve sides that play in county in county leagues. And at the moment, it looks like that whilst these um, uh, whilst facilities um, can hold matches from 20, the 29th of March, um, my preliminary investigations, and I will be sort of, um, I will be beavering into this um, over the coming weeks to try and find out as much information for, for, for supporters as I can. But it does look that really anybody, any local authority, for example, or any, any club with their own facilities are still very much awaiting guidance from the FA about what reopening football is going to look like. I mean, we presume that it will look very much like it did before with off-pitch social distancing, but they are really reliant on um, guidance from the FA on um, on on the use of facilities like changing rooms, for example. So um, we really are in the lap of the gods um, when it comes to understanding um, how we're going to return to play. We think that it will be on the 29th of March. That's certainly what the Prime Minister has said. But what it looks like is still very much um, up in the air, which is frustrating. But um, I suppose, we, you know, we, we are at least one step closer, Jim, to perhaps getting, you know, getting getting into grounds at some point soon and, and, and being able to watch a game. I can't wait, to be honest. This, uh, there's only so much of the Premier League you can watch on telly. It's, it's quite predictable, isn't it? And You can't beat going to a Western League ground on a Saturday or a Tuesday evening, hammering down with rain, going into the <laughs> bar, picking up a Bovril or a cup of soup, and then watch, watching the football. I, yeah, reminiscing. I, I can't wait for it. I'm sure there's hundreds of others that are on countdown to... Uh, to getting back in and watching some decent football. Well, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I think when it comes to getting back in a clubhouse and having a pint or a bovril or a pie, I think those those days are, are some way off. And I think we'll probably have to wait to the start of next season before we get to that point, because the government roadmap sort of talks about even outdoor hospitality 
um, opening in April will be, you know, table service only. So I think we're going to have to have pretty um, low expectations on what sort of, you know, um, amenities we can have in, in grounds. But but hopefully at some point in May, we can at least get back in. And um, obviously you'll get in with your camera and we'll have some football to talk about. If nothing else, we'll have the VARs. And, and I'm very much hoping, fingers crossed, um, the Les Phillips Cup as well. Anyway, that was a bit of an infomercial on behalf of the foot. Football Association. So um, thank you for bearing with me, listeners. Um, on today's episode of the podcast, we hear from Stuart Henderson, the manager of Tavistock. Of course, they're one of our sides still involved, not only in the Vars, but also in the Les Phillips Cup. And we also hear from the joint manager of Carn Town, Trevor Rawlings. Great to catch up with uh, with with Trevor and, um, and we'll be hearing uh, that interview in the second half of the um uh, of the podcast we of course will be hearing from james as well at uh, at the halftime interval and i think we're going to conclude at the final whistle with a little bit of a a reflection on mother's day which we've just had and um you know where would we be without our mothers that's what i want to know right anyway we'll kick off um then with the uh, the interview i did um with stuart henderson and um of course, Tavistock um, have the prospect of playing competitive football again in April. And it's weird because most of us are talking about the fact that we can't play. But Tavistock have a very different problem. Um, Stuart's got to get his side up to uh, to play, not just play, but also play in a very competitive competition. And, uh, and that's where I started um, my conversation with him. Yeah, well, the FA Bars and the Les Phillips Cup were in both competitions, so... Yeah, it is a little bit weird. Um, well, weird and wonderful times, and obviously, you know, there are more important things in life than football. But obviously, everyone, you know, is involved in it. In our level, we're obviously very passionate about it, and we've missed it. And um, yeah, it's kind of getting the boys. You know, obviously, we can officially start training from the 29th, as everyone knows. So the last two or three weeks have just been sort of like getting the boys to go on a few runs and starting to tick over I think most of them have kept quite active but obviously without until recently having any you know date to aim for it's been it's been very difficult to obviously kind of plot any progress in terms of their fitness yeah it, it strikes me as an interesting problem for you to have because I suppose when the season was curtailed um, most people particularly with the announcement about um, fans not being allowed in until May and we'll probably come to that in a minute but um, yeah. most people in football would have said well that's that you know done and dusted we'll uh, we'll come back next season but you've got the sort of the you know the odd situation of of obviously having next season to think about like everybody else but also having games competitive games to play this season i mean is it difficult to get you and your your, your team up for these fixtures um no i don't think it's difficult to get them up because you know we've got a big group chat and you know everyone's really missed it and i think everyone's just um Chopping at the bit, really, just to just to play. What's kind of the, the weird scenario is you could prepare to come back, lose lose the Vars game, lose the Les Phillips game, and then you kind of don't all that preparation work for just two games, and then you've got nothing until sort of like pre-season training in June and, and friendlies in July. So you know it is it is an odd scenario, but. You know, we've had a pandemic, so, you know, everything is strange and different and unique. So we're just glad to have the opportunity to play. And um, as ironically, we've got both Bridgewater in both competitions who are a strong size. But, you know, let's hope um, 
we can progress in the competitions. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about that because uh, it seems every time you and I speak, there is an element of deja vu about your fixtures. In your first season in the Western League, you kept on, you kept on coming up against Shepton Mallet. On this yeah. occasion, it, it appears to be Bridgewater, and I mean, of course, Bridgewater. Have, you know, they're making a lot of waves off the pitch, and I'm sure they're, they're like yourselves, very pleased to get back playing. So, I mean, in all, you know, in all reality, th- th- these are two really mouth-watering ties for, um, for you know, for, for for you and your side to get involved in. Yeah, it certainly is, but you know, I'm sure everyone in the Bridgewater camp would agree that you know, effectively, you're playing a game within two weeks of the 29th, and. You know, none of the lads have kicked a ball probably for, you know, I don't know how long it's been, four or five months possibly. Um, you know, well, Boxing Day was our last game, yeah. so obviously, yeah, about three months. And, um, yeah, so, you know, and then obviously within two weeks of, you know, coming back to training after a three-month break, you've got, like, um, you know, a big cup size. So, you know, it's the same for them as well. It's not ideal. Um but it is what it is, and you know it's the same for both teams. And even playing field, and just just go up there, and um, you know, obviously try and put in the best performance we can against a, against a strong outfit. Who, you know, I, I believe, you know, for the reports that here, they've got quite a lot of investment going into the club. I mean, if we take you back to the beginning of this season, given where we are today, did you fear that this was going to happen? Did you fear another incomplete season? Yeah, I think deep down, although. Um, I mean, I, I don't know what's happened. I, I don't know what's going to happen. I've had, you know, I've had um, reports from, you know, a reasonably reliable source that there is going to be promotion um, because between, you know, we were top last season um, when it finished with 28 games. We played 28 games. So there was 12 games of the season left, and Parkway was second. And obviously, this season, I mean. We'd only played 11 games and Parkway played 13, and they were top and we were second. Um, so, if you kind of add both those, you know, effectively the games played for us 28 games in one season and 11 in another, that's 39 games. It's pretty much a league campaign. Um, you know, both ourselves and Parkway come out on tops on. On points per game, and you know, I wonder why the season has been curtailed as opposed to null and voided. And you know, hopefully, the rumours that we're hearing are true that you know, both Parkway and ourselves are going up to the Southern League. But you know, I don't know whether that's true or speculation. Of course, if, if these matters had been handled on the pitch, they would be definite. All we know at the moment is that, you know, is what we're hearing out of the FA, and of course, the FA are talking about, as you quite rightly say, restructuring. Um, the 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 non-league pyramid w- without um, concluding these you know these matters on the pitch. I know that from our previous conversations, you've always been quite realistic in terms of you know wanting to find your feet uh, in the Western League and grow the club to a position where it could compete at a higher level. If that was offered to you uh, as a result of this restructuring, is that something that you'd now seriously look at taking for Tavistock? Oh, without a doubt, I think you know maybe we've undersold ourselves a little bit. You know. Um... We played teams um, in the Vars and the FA Cup. You know, we played Gosport Borough, for example, and, you know, obviously there are another couple of leagues above us. And, you know, there was nothing in the game and we lost on penalties, you know, um, after, you know, after um, the game finished two each. And, you know, I'd like to think if you were to ask the other managers who were the two stronger sides. And I think really, re- realistically, it is Ashton Parkway. Um, 
you know, and, and that's been proven over two seasons. And I, and I feel for you know, both clubs, um, they've both got the infrastructure in place. I think, you know, obviously it's not right for me to talk about Parkway, but, you know, everyone knows they're a big club. Um, for ourselves, obviously, Paul Stapleton has come into the club, you know, ex-chairman of Plymouth Argyle. Um, there's been a lot of kind of restructuring behind the scenes, um, looking at a partnership with Plymouth Argyle in terms of, you know, their under-18s will be using our pitch when we're away, um, which is obviously a good tie-up. And, um, you know, the club has definitely grown and um, a lot of work, although I feel probably in terms of facilities, it's the best it's the best facilities in the league. You know, the club are, have improved that um, in this sort of like prolonged break. So, you know, we've got the sides certainly on the pitch to compete in the Southern League and, you know, the infrastructure's in place and, um, you know, if it's offered to us, we would take it without a shadow of a doubt. By the sounds of it, you're here for a, for a good time, not necessarily a long time, but if we do have the pleasure of your company for another season, are you, you, know, are you confident you could go toe-to-toe with, with Parkway to, to take that automatic promotion spot? You know, I don't think there's a lot between the two teams um, on the park. I think um, their squad is bigger and has more depth. I don't think there's a lot between the start and the level of both sides. I mean, me and Lee are good friends. Um, we speak regularly. Um, I think we both feel that, you know, we've, we've both been in, well, we've been in for two seasons, they've been in for three. And, you know, we're naturally ambitious. And, you know, the, the players are obviously a couple of years older. And, you know, like all players, they've got a certain shelf life. And, um, you know, we, they want to play in the Southern League. And I just think it's... Um, I don't think it's fair on them that, you know, we finished first and we finished second, you know, I know, albeit not in full season. So I think we've earned the right to go up if we're offered promotion. I mean, if we look at some of the other um, sides uh, that you've come up against in your time during the Western League, and I appreciate this is a difficult question because, as you said, you know, you haven't completed uh, a season yet, a full season yet, so you haven't had a good look at um, a lot of the clubs. But, I mean... I certainly, as somebody who's followed the league for for a number of years now, think that the the standard of competition is getting higher in the Premier Division. Is that something that you see? And do you think that there are teams out there that could be um, could could be serious contenders to yourselves and Parkway? Um, yeah, um, uh, it's not it's not just us and Parkway. Um, I think Kev's done a good job at Exmouth. Um, I think Bitten have brought in a lot of players. Um, Bradford are normally a strong outfit, so. You know, there, there are other good teams um, within the league without a shadow of doubt. I do think there's probably sort of like maybe two or three leagues within one league, which, you know, is quite is quite common. Um, but, you know, I'm just basing it on the fact that we've got two seasons which have been cut short. And if you're, if you're basing it on a 40-game season over those two seasons, then obviously Hudson Parkway come out on top, you know, in front of those other teams that I've just mentioned. Um so, you know, if there are two promotion spots, which we were led to believe, then obviously, if it's done on points per game, then obviously us and Parkway would be the two teams getting promoted. 
I think one of the reasons why the, the, the Football Association have chosen to word the current statement or the statement around the current season as curtailed as opposed to points per game is because um, striking that from the record may not have given them the opportunity to perhaps conclude um, see the seasons as we would have, have liked. I mean, looking ahead, you know, hopefully we'll be out of the woods, but just in case COVID does rear its ugly head once again, what lessons would you like the Football Association um, to learn if we start another campaign in August? God, that is a difficult question. <laughs> um, I don't really know. You know, it's obviously, you know, the whole pandemic, you know, obviously we all love football, but, you know, it's bigger than football, isn't it? You know, people people have lost loved ones. Um, you know, people have lost jobs. Um, you know, businesses have gone under. It's been really, really difficult. So, you know, all the FA have done is follow, obviously, the guidelines of government and parliament so you know I, I don't really think there's much else they could do you know of course we would have all liked to have played and you know um sometimes you know you feel maybe the decision was taken quite early but you know the, the sort of like short answer is that you know i think they're dictated they're dictated by government so there ain't a great deal that they could do they're only they're only following um the policies that have been set out well, Stuart, thanks again for your time um, on the podcast. And, and we have the prospect of actually being able to talk about real football the next time we speak, because I'm hoping that to, to be covering not only the Les Phillips Cup, but also um, your uh, continued interest in the, uh, in the FA VAR. So it'll be actually nice to talk about a bit of mud on boots. Yeah, certainly. Um, you know, just, you know, obviously, it's a, it's a big part of our lives and we, we all miss it. And everything that, you know, comes along with it, the social side of it and, you know, missing all the boys and, you know, obviously, you know, the different managers and different sets of players you come across. So, you know, it would be great to, you know, get back into it and, you know, just sort of like get back to a little bit of normality. You know, fortunately, we're in those competitions, so we're able to do that. And it must be difficult for the clubs that were only in the league and with the league being curtailed, they've got nothing left to play for, you know. And my thanks to Stuart for his time and good luck, of course, to all of our sides that are left in the uh, the FA Vars. Now then, Jim, um, I know you've been monitoring the uh, the Twitter sphere over the course of the, the last week. So what have we what have we what have we what gems have you unearthed for us on Twitter? It's actually been quite quiet again, I suppose, with uh, limited limited things happening in the football world. Um, There's only so many times you can moan about not being able to go and watch football, isn't there, I suppose? Exactly, yeah, that's true. But maybe they should tweet a bit more moaning that we can't go and watch football and then I've got more to talk about. Um, Exmouth again, I've mentioned them every week, I think, their, their ground improvements that their uh, volunteers are doing down there. They upload pretty much daily um, content of ground improvements, so I'm looking forward to... When it's all opened up, go down to Axmas, nice ice cream down there, and then to go watch some of the football. I'm sure the wife will be well pleased to uh, come along with me down there. Oh, um, a lovely, lovely day out. Yeah, exactly. Fish and chips after. What more could she want? Um, we're uh, Westbury uh, tweeted they're uh, hopefully going to be uh, hosting the Legends versus the current squad game uh, on the 17th of July. So uh, keep that free in your diary, and we're. Uh, Hopefully, get along to that. That'll be uh, oh, that'd be lovely good day, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, be a good day. Um, You'll be very welcome in the great county of Wiltshire. I can assure you. Some people say you have to wipe your feet on the way out. Oh, but... don't go there. You didn't need to go there. <laughs> be nice. Hashtag be nice. <laughs> um, also, uh, yeah, an update: uh, Nathan Truman 
Um, the poor Ted Skipper, as we all know, they've been doing fundraising. Um, they're up to an incredible amount of just over 34,000 raised so far, which is a fantastic amount. But there was a, yeah. a nice article on the BBC website that he's retweeted and a few others have uh, retweeted. So if you can uh, have a read on there, it's a little update on uh, Nathan's progress. And uh, one of the big stories last week, I think, was uh, Bridgewater Town oh. merging with... Um, well, Yeovil United, ladies. Um, Yeovil United were playing their home games at Bridgewater. They've now merged together. Uh, so Bridgewater Town next year will be known as Bridgewater United and uh, Yeovil United ladies will also be called Bridgewater United. So exciting things happening, it appears, down at uh, Bridgewater with their proposed ground enhancements and, yeah, joining up with... Uh, the Oval Ladies become Bridgewater United, which is uh, interesting. This might be a question for, for our unofficial league historian, Sandy Webb, um, but I'm not sure um, in my time in the Western League, and I'm, I'm probably going to end up regretting saying this, particularly on the podcast, so I'll have to issue an apology next week, but I'm not sure we've had a United. We've got plenty of towns, but I'm not sure that we've had a United. Is it Westbury United? I'll have to... I'll yeah, it is Westbury. I was just right. Well, to I'll say, have to edit. I'm going to have to edit the entire lot of that out now, aren't I? <laughs> Leave it in. Leave oh, it in. Oh, God's sake! We only did. We only dedicated an entire episode of the podcast to them. I mean, they, you know, my word. <laughs> no. Absolute car crash that was. Moving on. Moving swiftly on. If you're thinking, Toolstation, I know they'll save me money, but do they have all the top brands? You know, DeWalt, Makita, Einhell, Stanley, Myra, Kudox, Nest and Santex. Yeah, they do. Over 15,000 trade quality products in the range from the leading brands with prices that are hard to beat. If you want a helping hand to save on your next job, try Toolstation. With over 300 branches, there's always a Toolstation near you. Our final interview of this week's podcast is with um, with Trevor Wallings. He is the Carn Town Joint Manager, and of course, I can remember my my conversation with Ben Redford. You know, probably well, just under a year ago now. Carn um, last season were flying incredibly high, looking like they were not only um, you know favourites for promotion, but also could have picked up the first division title. They had to go again after that season was um, was null and voided. And uh, again, this season, they picked up right where they left off. Incredible form. Um, they were really slugging it out with Corsham at the top of the first division. You know, it was really exciting um, for certainly, you know, Wiltshire-based um, um, Western League watchers um, to see those two those two go at it. And, you know, I was really pleased to see that Khan were so competitive. Um, but um, it's happened again, deja vu. So another season without a proper end and another, and, and, and again, the team doing so well. So, I mean, I started by commiserating with Trevor, really saying that, you know, this, this really must be really hard for, hard for the club to take. Yes, it's not a great situation. Um, this time is, is not so bad because we've only played you know, nine or ten games, so you know you expected this to happen this time. Um, it's just obviously last year was a bit different because we you know we played the best part of thirty games. I mean, from your perspective, would you have preferred it if this season's results had stood and, and we restarted where we left off in August? Only for the reason of um, you know, are we going to finish the season next season? You know, we. Wouldn't have expected what to happen this year, and is it going to happen again next year? Are we going to get this next year in the winter when it hits again? Are we going to have to stop playing? So, 
but you know, with so many games, you know, 30, 10 games played, uh, would it have made a difference? I, I don't know. I mean, when we started this season, did you fear that this might happen again? I think when we finished the last season, you know, when we got to 30 games, I, you know, I said, you know, on social media and everywhere that, you know, can't we just freeze the season because this, we might go through this again. Um, at least we thought three quarters of the way through, um, we could have finished that season and then had cup kings, cup competitions, you know, to see us through. Um, and then we'd only lose one season. Now we've lost two seasons. So I did expect something. I didn't think it would just go away. Um, and unfortunately, um, that's what's happened. I mean, well, let's talk about the football on the on the pitch. Um, I mean, when we when you started this season, did you think you'd go as well this time round as you did last time? We lost a lot of players, you know, as you know, um, to various clubs and important players. So it was a major thing of you know of, of replacing them with with the same quality, which obviously is not easy, um, especially in our area. So uh, um, that was our main task, really, is to replace what we lost. And um, luckily enough, we replaced uh, with the same quality, if not better. Um, so I was quite confident that you know what we had was that was still there and what we added was was good enough to, you know, be challenging again. As you mentioned earlier in the interview, you've only played nine games, so it's I suppose it's difficult to reflect really on 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 last season as a, as a season. But, I mean, I did notice that your defensive form was particularly good. I mean, that must have been, um, you know, that must have been something you were pleased with. Yeah, well, we carried on from the season before. You know, the season before our defence was good. Um, and literally, we lost probably... 60 to 70 percent of that defence um, during pre-season, so you always worry to think, well, well, you know, can we do that again and be tight at the back? But um, you know, like I said earlier, we we replaced well, uh, we recruited well, and um, yeah, we carried that on. You know, of the teams that you did play, uh, which other sides in the first division impressed you the most? Um, obviously, Ashton back well. I mean, we had them first game, the first game of the season, and we thought, oh, you know, we could have had a, an easier start. They beat us twice last year, and, and that was a game that, as you know, what Ashton back well like. They're, they're strong, and they're, you know, and to beat them first game, I think that gave us a big boost. To be honest, after the disappointment of last season finishing as it did, I was worried about a hangover, you know, of you know of, of that season, but beating them first game suddenly you sort of forgot what happened and you sort of got that march again so I them back well um, as always we played Wells you know they're Wells Wells aren't they I know they probably didn't have as good a season as what they would have liked but they're, they're still a side that can beat anyone um, that was probably the two main ones out of what we played to be honest I mean you had a really um, close game with Warminster as well didn't you back in um, back in December I think that was the uh, that was the last game you'd have played and, and, and knowing yourself and Ben I'm sure you were very pleased that you know at least you finished on a win as opposed to going out um, off the back of a defeat Yeah I would yeah I've got quite East Warminster I mean yeah when we played them before, you know we we had them. We thought this is a game that can go either way again. You know, he's he's got them going well, and they want to run when they played us. And it was a tight game. I think the first half, we you know we could have been three or four up. Their keepers made some great saves. Um, unfortunately, um, he didn't for the, the our winner. But um, they're a side that were um, always going to cause us problems. Uh, both stoppages. You know, we played this. Um, BT before the other you know break and we you know we beat them heavily and finished on that and we thought oh, we finished that that's you know good end to get us going again and yeah like you said with Warminster 
Yeah, absolutely right. How do you feel about next season? I know it's pretty, you know, we're still in March, so talking about games that are going to be taking place in August seems a bit odd. But, I mean, do you think it's going to be third time lucky for Khan? I hope so. Um, it's just trying to get everyone rallied again. Um, obviously, we spoke to the players. Uh, the response has been good about, um, I think we're going to do a little bit of training in April just to get together, really, of all the players and just remember, you know, everyone together and and stuff like that just for a few weeks um, maybe play a friend if, if they want to we'll see how that goes just thinking of uh, is it worth it because then we've got to stop again for two months but I just want to get everyone out there no one's played football people you know want to play football whether you know if it's in a field or, or whatever so we're giving that opportunity to get back out there and, and kick a ball around and, um, and hopefully the boats are still there because it is, I mean, in Wiltshire, you know, it's quite a, there, there is a hotbed of football, you know, in, in, in the county, in, particularly in the, in the part of the county that, you know, that you're in. You're competing with other teams, not just in the first division, but also in the Premier Division, you know, um, where players might um, fancy, um, uh, you know, going uh, next season. So, I mean, it is difficult, isn't it? It's one of the sort of unintended consequences of these of these long breaks is that, you know, it's difficult to keep your side together. You've been so successful when you have played over the last two seasons. I imagine that makes this situation particularly difficult for you. They are quite a tight-knit group, um, so you sort of think to yourselves that, well, they they want to go again, they want to two seasons that we've tried and and we've done well both times regardless of whether it's 30 or 10 games you know, we've, we've been up there so I think hopefully like as a management team we want to get the job done. You know, we think that we've had two full starts in theory. We just really want to do it and prove that you know, they're a good bunch of lads and a good side. You know, and um, I think, honestly, obviously, um, I'm going to say this, so I think we you know, probably deserve to. Well, obviously, one of the things that the FA haven't taken off the table yet is the possibility of restructuring steps, well, certainly four, five and six. I mean, is that something that you and, you know, the, the officials at the club have, have, have talked about? Is that, given how well you've done over the last two seasons, you know, if there were movements to be made, they're not necessarily just within the Western League. Is that something that's sort of on the agenda at Carn Town? Yeah, we spoke about this. I mean, might be the same advisors as well, but there's, there's been rumours, you know, for probably four or five seasons that Count eventually will go Hellenic, you know, pushed over to Hellenic. Um, with a lot of other teams probably in our area might end up going LN especially with the Cornwall sides if they do come in so uh, um, the restructure has always sort of been talked about or in the back of our minds because it might be out of our hands uh, do we want to stay in the Western League? Obviously we do but if we get pushed over or are taken out then we just got to deal with it I think the next probably is a bit of a better footballing league which probably suits us a bit better but you know either way it's going to be hard I don't know whether the restructure means because they, they say restructure and promotions I don't know how how that's going to work if you're going to promote teams after 10 games um, I know last season was null and void but are they going to look at that and say well you know and use that in the equation because I can't see how you can promote a team playing 9 games um, so it'll be interesting how they do it uh, we know there's been movements in Atlantic and above of teams sold in last season, so we know there's got something's got to happen that side. Do we get dragged across? I, I don't know. I mean, in terms of your preparations for next season, I think we're all aware that next season is, you know, on and off the field is going to be 
you know, difficult. There's going to be challenges next season. W- would you prefer it if they just took this off the table at the moment? I mean, and you know, and, and let you sort of plan for, you know, another season in the in the Western League. I think they've got to make a decision in the next couple of weeks. If I'm honest, you know, it's it's no good to say this. You know, like they do, they say this, and a month goes past and nothing's happened. You know, if they're going to do something like this, they need to. You know, they've made that statement of this might happen, they need to follow that up within, you know, a couple of weeks and say, right, this is what is happening, or this is what's proposed. Um, the longer it goes on, the harder it will be to prepare. We might have players on our side that have got no interest in playing Hellenic football. They might just want to play Western League football. So that's something as a club we have to consider, because all of a sudden you're travelling different areas. It might be, I don't think it is more travelling, if I'm honest, I think it's probably less travelling for us. But, you know, they will have to take this into consideration that, and my thanks to Trevor for his time. Now, just before we wrap this episode of the of the podcast up, um, of course, on Sunday, Mothering Sunday, we've just had Mothering Sunday. Um, not the easiest time um, because, of course, we are separated um, from, uh, well, many of us will be certainly separated from, from our mothers when we'd normally be going down the pub and having a nice Sunday lunch. Um, uh, we couldn't do that. So um, uh, if, if you're anything like me, Jim, I was having a virtual Mother's Day with um, uh, with with my mother. But, um, you know, it just reminds us how important certainly, you know, our, our mothers are. Um, I know football, you know, albeit that now football is there's much greater equality in the game. I mean, you've just been talking about Bridgewater ladies, of course. Um, so, you know, it won't be too long before we talk about the amount of mothers that are playing, let alone supporting us. But I think across the Western League, I think we can all reflect upon the support that our mothers have provided. I know mine has always been incredibly supportive of me. Um, she uh, she religiously used to listen to me when I was on the radio and uh, collects all of my newspaper articles. I'm glad somebody does. Um, but, um, um, I mean, have you got, you, you know, you always put a smile on my face at the end of the podcast, Jim, with your, with your treasure trove of, um, of witty anecdotes. So have you got anything about mothers? Off the top of my head, um, mainly not any funny anecdotes. Well, there's one, but it's not tall station league related. It's youth football, but I'll come back to that. But when I worked in football, um, when I was often in reception, like the players would always leave their tickets. And it was always the mums that the players left tickets for. Mums and girlfriends, the, the tickets were always left for. So it shows like how much support that the mothers and said fathers as well, all the family, how, how important the support is that the parents give the players. I mean, you see it in the tool station league as well, when you go to watch games, yeah. you can always tell that there's, there's people's mums and dads there that are supporting them. I know when I was younger, mum and dad were watching, it just, it gives you it definitely gives you a lift when you like you walk out and you see your mum there and yeah so it's like say it's nice you can always back on your mother's support I think and my mum's the same as yours she keeps everything that I've I've ever done so the spare room I think dad would happily throw most of it out but I don't <laughs> think mother would let her. <laughs> she's got her old football shirts and all sorts there so yeah it's a, it's a mother thing I think but one story that stands out was when it was early nineties. Local football in the Overland district under it must have been under 12s, I reckon. One lad got fouled on the halfway line, and the referee didn't give it. And uh, next thing you see is the mum running on with her handbag, like swilling it around her head like a windmill, <laughs> chasing the other player. The kid must have only been about 11, and like running 
she was having a go at the referee, the poor sod. I don't think he really knew what running away on a Sunday afternoon comes out to referee an under 12s game and the mum's running on just because her son got fouled. But I suppose you'd do anything to protect a kid, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, extreme, that, though. Yeah, no, I mean, it's true. I mean, you wouldn't, you, you wouldn't be at it. Wait, wait, did you say that was back in the 90s? It must have, yeah, I must have been. I must have been six or seven, so I wasn't actually playing. It was my brother who was playing. He's two years older, and he, yeah, so it must have been early 90s. You wouldn't be able to get away with that now, Jim. We, we can't oh, have... Oh, no, you should get a lifetime ban now, and well, rightly you, so. And rightly so, yeah, you can't... Yeah, that's how far we've come. But, um, yes, mothers, eh? I think we should also, actually, we should expand it out to grandmothers as well. Um, because it's not just the mums who, you know, in my experience as well, you, you rightly say about watching Western League football. I mean, I've seen a fair few staunch grandmothers over the years who've, uh, you know, they, 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 they'll, they'll turn up to watch their grandkids rarely missing a game um, in, the, in the most horrendous of, of weathers and everything, you know, and it's, um, it is, as you say, it's appreciated. And it, I'd like to think perhaps it, it helps with the, with the, with the on-pitch behaviour because um, we do wonder, you know, sometimes our players get away with, with murder and um, you'd like to think that they get pulled up on it at home. But anyway, um, Jim, as always, thank you very much for your time this week and I look forward to catching up with you next week on the Tool Station Western League Podcast. <laughs>